Hey everybody, this is Mark. Welcome to another episode of this Poor Pastors Podcast. What you doing here? Don't you have practice? Not anymore, I quit. Oh. Well, since when are you the quitting kind? I want to do something big and something important. I'm not like you. I'm nothing. Just let me be nothing. So where does the power come from to see the race to its end? I believe God made me for a purpose. If you commit yourself to the love of Christ, then that is how you run a straight race. Run in God's name and let the world stand back in wonder. Welcome. Was it as easy as it looked? No, sir. No, no sir, it wasn't. Welcome back. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. This is Mark again. It is November 30th, the last Monday in November. We are two days, including today, away from the last month of this awful year of 2020. Who would have ever thought that 2020 would be as horrible as it is? Especially when 2020 usually means good things. 2020 vision, right? That's better. Hindsight is 2020. I mean, you can see better looking backwards, but forever 2020 has been redefined as the most awful of things that you can do. This year, I plan on saying that that sweater grandma made me for Christmas is 2020. And uh, that um, that uh, those cookies that they, that they overbaked for me are 2020. 2020 is awful. I'm ready for it to be over. Not that I have any expectation that 2021 is any better, but at least we can be done with 2020. Ugh. Anyway, I had a great Thanksgiving, and I hope you did. Um, we had uh, my in-laws over for Thanksgiving. Shh, don't tell anyone. They were outside of our home family unit. But we got together anyway in uh, candlelight with all the lights off and the shades drawn Nobody around, and we rebelled and ate our turkey and gave thanks to God together. I'm awful glad we did. I hope your Thanksgiving was great, and uh, looking forward to a good Christmas season as well. Well, let's get into today's topic. So my oldest son has a job. He's 17 years old, and he has a job at a local fast food restaurant, And uh, unfortunately, his schedule, this is his senior year, so he only has like a couple of classes left. So he is able to get out of school early, goes to work at noon and works from noon to four. As long as my wife and I have been married, we have tried to eat dinner at five. So dinner for us is usually between five and 5.30. I pick up my son at four from work and bring him home and... Inevitably, he sits down at the table. My wife puts the food in front of him, and he says, Ah, I'm not really hungry. I already ate. And my wife doesn't really blame him because he worked, and then he had a break, and 
uh, maybe grab something there. But it, I think it always is frustrating when you go through the process of preparing a meal only to have someone say, I'm full, I'm not hungry, I already ate. Um, they're not saying that the food you're serving isn't any good, it's just that they don't have any appetite for it. There's a lot of things I could say about that as it relates to pastoral ministry. Some things that are kind of discouraging. And it's it's Monday, and it's raining outside here. It's supposed to rain for two days, and it's supposed to be snow and Christmassy, and it's rain, and it's dark. It's the afternoon, and it's already dark because of the clouds and because it gets dark here early. And I'm just feeling in one of those in one of those moods. I was thinking about this today, and along with some discussions I've had at my church and some uh, discussions I've had with some fellow pastors. And can I tell you what is discouraging? What is discouraging to me as a pastor is trying to feed people who are already full. Trying to feed people who are already full. Seriously. Sometimes I feel like I have labored to prepare something nourishing for the people of God, and then when I call them to the table, they look at me like, I already ate. I'm not even hungry. I'm here because the family is supposed to gather around the table, but I'm not ready to I don't really want to eat anything. You know, at our house, even if you if you ate and you're too full for dinner, you got you still gotta sit here because this is family time and we sit here, but you're not eating. And it's like, why are you even here? Except I make them be there, but you get what I'm saying. And if this is irritating to my wife with my oldest son, it's dead sure irritating to pastors who work and labor and try to study and prepare spiritual food. We're told to feed the flock of God. and It's one of the things that is at the top of our list. We're watching for their souls. We're feeding them spiritually um, uh, milk and meat from the Word of God. Sometimes it seems like the best I can do is just to try to get a little bit into their mouths here and there. Like, they'll take a, a few bites here and a few bites there, but they're not really coming to sit down for a, a full meal. And I'm not just talking about now. I'm just talking about over 15 years of pastoral ministry. This has been a consistent issue, right? And I've been trying for years to generate in young people and old alike a hunger to learn the things of God and to study and discuss and meditate on the things of God and to meditate on the Word of God, and I feel like a failure. I do. I just feel like a failure. Before the service starts on any given Sunday or Wednesday night, I can have a great and lively discussion about current events and the political turmoil, the governor's latest mandates, and all kinds of secular things. But when the Bible study starts, and I ask for something that they learn from their Bible this week, I usually get crickets. In fact, crickets would be more noise than what I usually get. People look down studiously at their Bible like, like I used to do. You know, I was just a kid in Bible class, and uh, the, the Sunday school teacher would say, what did you get? But again, I was a kid. I'm talking about like adults now, right? Christians. And nobody's going to convince me that Christians are spending massive amounts of time uh, reading, studying, or memorizing, or meditating on 
on God's word. I just don't see it. When I challenge our young people to read theology books or books designed to challenge their thinking, I find out, again, they're already full. And I wish I knew how to get people to be hungry. I wish I knew how to get them to choose not to eat certain things over uh, in the world and to develop a hunger and a desire for spiritual things. I wish it was easy, as easy as saying, well, if they were truly born again, you know, they, they desire spiritual things. But if I accept that premise, then I have to accept that the vast majority of the people that have professed Christ through the years have not been truly born again. I'd also have to acknowledge that I've been born again and not born again, born again and not born again, and I'm purposely saying born again just to irritate someone. Because I have gone through cycles in my life when I have been too full of other things. Um, so I, I get it. I'm not. We all have those times when, oh man, I didn't realize it was so close to dinner time. I shouldn't have eaten that. It's still heavy on my stomach. I don't want to eat this meal. But when it's meal after meal after meal after meal after meal, then you have to start asking, why are you eating so much other stuff and have no appetite for the food that's been prepared for you. It is hard to see people filled with the knowledge of God when they are already so full of other things. Why is it that Christians can be so much like the people on Mars Hill? The Athenians? They always wanted to tell or hear some new thing. How can so many Christians be Athenian in secular matters and non-Athenian in biblical matters? Like they always have an appetite for uh, conspiracy theories and uh, political nonsense and uh, this area of uh, secular culture and that area of secular culture and science fiction and movies and this and that and the other thing. And then when it comes to, let me talk to you about the Word of God, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, already, I'm, I'm, I'm already full. I ate too much. Oh, bloated. <laughs> Can't take any more. I know there's nothing new in the Bible, right? I get that. But really, that doesn't mean that I know everything old that's in there. And I was like, I, I, I hate to hear a preacher stand up and say, well, I, there's nothing new in God's Word. It's only the old things. I mean, come on. How many of us and how many of our church members can honestly say they know everything about that awesome book? It may not be anything new, but that doesn't mean we have even learned the old or thought about it or meditated on it, or even begun to plumb the depths. How do you like that phraseology, plumb the depths? I think it is only in church from preachers who use the King James Bible that they would say things like, plumb the depths of God's word. But it's true. We have not even begun to reach the bottom of the uh, depth, or, 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 or been able to even grasp the magnitude of the truth, the nuances, the angles, the expanse of truth that's in God's Word. I want to sit, sit down sometimes and have a lively discussion about the doctrine of hell, or different ways to understand Genesis 1 and 2, or how to understand what Paul means about departing and being with the Lord in an unembodied state. 
I want to talk about matters of soteriology and eschatology. I want to talk about the nature and philosophical proofs for God's existence or how the Bible and science square up. And it can be so incredibly lonely to spend time learning and reading and studying only to have Christians respond to you like Festus to Paul that much learning doth make thee mad. I'm not crazy. I just want to learn these things. I want to talk about these things. I want to feast on this stuff. And I find most Christians are already full. They've tried it. They've tasted it. They've got an appetite for something else and they don't want to eat it. I find so often that it is not that people don't, uh, uh, let's see here, that it is not that people don't eat. It's that they've already eaten and are full, right? They find their satisfaction and filling in the things of the world and not in spiritual things. Now, I don't mean to imply, in case anybody in my church should listen to this podcast, I don't mean to imply that none of the people I pastor are ever hungry. Certainly, we do have some who are, and it is a joy to pastor them and to fellowship with them. But the majority of Christians that I have pastored over 15 years are simply satisfied. They're not hungry anymore. In fact, they would rather sit around and talk about an old meal than eat a new one. Do you know what I mean by that? They have already determined that they know everything the Bible teaches, and they come to church merely to have their presuppositions confirmed and reconfirmed, patted on the back, and burped, and sent out happy, rather than to be challenged with the Word of God to reason and to think things through and to learn how to, uh, how to uh, uh, argue for it and, uh, and to examine what it is that we believe. Now, I think that for our young people, the tech explosion has done tremendous harm. You know, video games, video chats, online gaming, it's all a waste of life, literally. There is, I'm sorry for those of you who are younger. I know we have a, a younger audience uh, of, of men who listen to this podcast, and I know you grew up playing video games. Um, my generation did not grow up playing the kind of video games that you do. I mean, um, when I was a boy, Nintendo first came out with Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, and then we got a few other video games, but I mean, nothing like what kids have now. I mean, I thought Super Nintendo was the um, the cat's meow of video game uh, technology. They, I mean, forget, there wasn't even the internet, let alone online gaming. And it has gotten so overwhelming and so in your face that now I watch my kids and other kids in my church and my kids' friends, they are so absorbed in this stuff. And, I, and I, I can't, it's, it's hard even to just break them away and say, hey, try reading this book. Hey, try learning something useful. Hey, uh, have you thought about this? And to try to have discussions with young people about that stuff, it is hard because they are already so full of other things. They don't want to eat. I have teenagers who will watch 30-minute to hour-long YouTube videos to figure out a better way to survive longer in Fortnite, but they cannot follow a 10-minute discussion on the cosmological argument for God's existence or give a coherent answer to what it means to be justified or the definition of propitiation. Now, maybe I'm being overly pessimistic. It's possible. Again, it's Monday. This is why sometimes I feel like I'm a poor pastor because I, I, I'm, not, I'm not as frustrated with the people as I am. I ask myself, what is wrong with you, Mark? And I say, God, why can't I get through to people? Why can't I 
uh, generate within them a, a desire to search and to, and to seek to know the things of God, to desire to be filled up with the knowledge of God. The allure of the world and the buffet that the world offers is like, come eat whenever you want to, and then you come to church three times a week and people are like, excuse me, burping there, already full. Man, did I feast good right before coming to church? I don't think I have the capacity for much more, preacher. But you know, maybe it isn't even that people are full. So much as they've been convinced that the safest thing is to isolate themselves in their echo chambers and hug their doctrinal statements to their chest and refuse to budge. I think this is the reason so many Christians can't engage in meaningful discussions with unbelievers. We don't have the answers to the questions because we, we haven't studied it. I think we're afraid that if we have discussions, our ignorance will be revealed, so we don't have any discussions. We have rhetoric and ad hominem attacks, and straw man arguments, but we've never really taken time to really study it. And we don't feel like we need to because we know the truth, you know. I think also that we don't want to seriously study a topic because on some level, I think we're afraid that we might be wrong. And we prefer the false security of our ignorance. It's like someone who doesn't want to read the God delusion, because they're afraid. They, they, they say it's because that's just a bunch of garbage. But what they're actually afraid of, if they would be honest, is they're afraid that if they read it, it might make sense, and they might be convinced by its argument, and then where would they be? So they throw stones at it, but they haven't, they haven't, they're not aware of what it talks about, so they don't know how to make a uh, coherent and logical rebuttal and argument to the atheist's um, arguments and criticisms, and they just say, no, I know what I know, I believe what I believe, and I don't really want to find out if I'm wrong, I'm just happy. Like Patrick Henry said in his speech, give me liberty or give me death, speaking of the revolution, he said, we are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and listen to the song of that siren till she transform us into beasts. And that describes the average Christian today. Tell me I'm wrong. But then Patrick Henry follows up, is this the part of great men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty? No, we, we cannot. We must not be idle. We must not be satisfied. We don't have a hunger for the truth, at least not truth that we have arrived at after personal study and teaching. So we spend our time consuming all kinds of societal drivel and hogwash and have our hearts and minds so full of the world that we have no hunger for spiritual things. We don't read serious books. We don't think serious thoughts. We don't reason things through. And the mind of so many Christians is as flabby and overweight as the average independent Baptist preacher's waistline. And I know it sounds like I'm being critical. I guess I am to a degree, but especially about the waistline part. Yeah, that's a, that's a pet peeve with mine. Come on, pastors. Quit talking to people about their sin and go lose some weight. I'm speaking as a pastor. I keep myself physically fit. I work at it. I have to say no to eating certain things. 
And honestly, it is a it is a shame on the on and a and a blight on the ministry of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that there are so many overweight, fat slobs in the pulpit. And I'm not going to edit that out. But that overweight um, guy in the pulpit just seems to picture the, the, the mind of the average Christian in the average independent fundamental Baptist church. And I don't think independent fundamental Baptist churches are alone in that. And I'm including myself in this. Not the waistline part, but I know it takes hard work. It does. But I want to challenge my fellow pastors. Read something that challenges you. Read something once in a while above your education level. And if you went to the average IFB college, that shouldn't be hard. Find another brother that you can sit down with on a regular basis and talk through matters of theology. Examine what you believe. Now, you may find that you're further convinced and confirmed in the truth that you already believe, or you may find that you need to adjust, but let yourself have permission to seek the truth. Don't be full already. Be hungry to learn more about God, to know, to adjust, to pivot if necessary. Challenge your church to be diligent in their time. Spend time reading and thinking and challenge your church to do the same. Provide an atmosphere or a time in your church when questions are allowed and encouraged, and where it's acceptable to profess ignorance, to say, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to look and find out. Study God's Word together. Now, if you try doing that, you're going to see the same thing that I see, that many Christians, including pastors, have no appetite for it. They are full already. Just regurgitate the same old, same old, same old. Never say, man, I was really challenged this week in this area. I have adjusted my view on this given area. And I know even saying that's heresy for some, right? Because we have our doctrinal statement, we have our dogmas, we have our systematic theology, and we say, I believe this ever since I was 16 years of age, and I've never changed, not even a little bit. I've never been wrong about anything. I have been. I know I have such a long way to go. Nobody has to tell me that I have a long way to go. That's what I have a wife for. She tells me a lot. <laughs> I have a long way to go. But if I'm seeking the truth and seeking Christ, I can't see how I can possibly be afraid of that. Hey, fellow pastor, what's on your reading list? Do you read at all? When is the last time you read something by someone outside of your group? When is the last time you let someone challenge you theologically or doctrinally or socially? Have we changed the waistband of our minds from a belt to an elastic to accommodate the mental flab? Ah, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I, I just... I feel I wanted to just kind of talk about this. I hope I'm sure that some of you feel the same way. I'm discouraged by the lack of hunger I see in God's people, but I'm not going to stop trying to challenge them to put the junk food down and grab a plate of meat. I want you to join me in doing just that, and I hope that you will. 
I think this pandemic and the shutdowns and the decrease in the attendance at many of our churches may be used by God to um, prune and uh, and and uh, refine our congregations. If we maybe if we didn't spend so much time entertaining people, we'd have more time to feed the hungry, the actually hungry Christians who've said, I've, I've, I've had the milk, I've grown, now I'm ready for some meat. And that might mean that we as pastors are going to have to do the hard work to be able to provide that meat for them. But I tell you, it's more satisfying to do the hard work when the people that you're trying to give it to have, an ad, have, a, have a, a desire for it, have a hunger for it, isn't it? Maybe you have a church that this isn't a problem, in, in which case I take my hat off to you. Boy, God bless you. You are blessed by God. The rest of us, we have to keep working at it. We have to keep challenging God's people. The Bible says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And we need to place an emphasis on the mind of God's people. Strengthening our minds. Growing our minds. Stretching ourselves. Theologically, doctrinally, mentally, all of that, growing and learning to be hungry, learning to say no to the junk food and developing an appetite for spiritual things. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Gonna send me an email? Area code, oh, I won't give you my phone number, but uh, how about uh, this poor pastor at gmail.com. Tell you what, if you want to text me and you don't want to email me, just text me. Area code 910-265-7297. There, I said it. That's my cell phone number. Text me. I'd be glad to chat with you about it. I just want to see us help God's people to be all that they can possibly be and to be strengthened with all might in the inner man because there's a battle coming. And I don't think we're ready for it. But we need to be. All right, I'm out. You guys have a great week. I hope you're going to have an awesome week. And I will see you next week, right here, on this Poor Pastors Podcast. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.